0: Welcome to Globally Speaking, a podcast about connecting with global
1: audiences. Globally Speaking is designed to explore the challenges involved in breaking down language and communication barriers. Our hosts and guests, thought leaders and industry experts discuss their experiences on a range
0: of topics related to content, communication,
1: and customer engagement. Welcome to today's episode.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of the Go Global series of the Globally Speaking podcast. I'm Jordan, and I'll be your host today. I'm an operations manager at RWS, and I help our customers go global. Calls, leaps, stores. In case you think I've gone crazy, I haven't. I'm just using the three words to tell you my location today. But now I'm wondering what three words would it be in French? Let's ask Jamie directly. Hi, Jamie. Thank you for being here. Would you like to introduce yourself today?
1: Hi, Jordan. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be here. Uh, my name is Jamie, and I am the Chief Language Services Officer at What3Words.
0: Brilliant. Thanks, Jamie. And what are your three words today?
1: So I'm uh, currently talking to you from uh, my office in Windsor. Um, my three words in English are hurt, soap, blows.
0: Brilliant. And can you tell us a little bit more about what three words do so our listeners can understand what we're talking about today?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, So basically, what three words has divided the entire world into three metre squares. And it's provided every single one of those squares a unique three word address. Um, So wherever you are in the world, you can use the free what three words app to find out exactly where you are and a very human-friendly way of describing it to somebody that you're talking to. So rather than trying to remember uh, long and complicated uh, GPS coordinates, um, you'll actually just have three easy-to-remember words that you can use to describe your exact location.
0: Well, I've given it a try and I think it's really cool. So my three words, as I mentioned, were calls, leaps, stores. I'm based in Sheffield today in the UK. Um, so it's been really cool to play around with it, Jamie.
1: Great.
0: Do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself and, and what your position is at the moment and your career path until now?
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, so like I said, I'm the Chief Language Services Officer at What Three Words. Um, it's quite a broad role, I guess. Um for a company um, where words are literally the product itself, as well as the tools for talking about the product, there's a very unique localization challenge involved with that. Um, and, you know, What3Words has global ambitions, we want to become the global standard for addressing. And you can't do that unless people are able to do it in a language that they feel comfortable using. So a lot of the focus of my role is to make sure that we are forever launching new language versions of What3Words so that as many people around the world as possible can use the product in their native language.
0: That's fab. Thanks for talking through that. And how did the need to create the What3Words brand come about?
1: so there's so many situations in life where you need to tell somebody exactly where you are but you just haven't got the tools to do so you know um if you have a crash in your car on a quiet country road and you ring the emergency services they'll ask where you are Uh, that'll be their first question um and it's actually not particularly useful to say, well, I left XYZ town 10 minutes ago. I'm traveling up the A123 towards other town. I can see some trees and some cows in a field. But other than that, I can't tell you where I am. Um, so that's really why What Three Words was invented. There were so many situations in your life where actually just being able to look at the app, which works offline as well, And read out the three words that are the square that you're in is so useful to humans.
0: Absolutely, it sounds like it does play quite an important role in people's lives. I don't know if you've got any any other examples you could give us on on the importance of that.
1: Yeah, sure. You know, there's loads of examples around the world of how what if words is being used. not only to save lives, um, which happens an awful lot in the context of our work with emergency services, both in UK but also around the world, um, but also loads of other things that are helping change people's lives. Um, one of the first projects that I was involved in, in Work Few Words, was um, using the product to deliver post and parcels in a favela in Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. Um, In favelas, there aren't street addresses, you know, houses haven't got numbers, roads haven't got names. Um, So it's actually very hard to deliver mail. But we worked with a particular courier who was trying to get parcels directly to people who lived in houses in the favela. Um, we had just launched our Portuguese language version of what Through words um, and we worked together to make sure that when he had a parcel that needed to go to a particular person, if they put their Portuguese what Through words address um, onto the delivery note, he would be able to use the app to find out exactly where they are. Um, so it's helping people as well who don't have an address or a means of uh, telling people where they live. You know, we're very lucky in the UK that our street address system is very good um, and um, works across the country, but in large parts of the world, that isn't the case. And if you think about all the things that um, you need an address to do, you know, um, not only have parcels delivered to your door, but... um, open a bank account, for example, you need an address, all those sorts of things. Um, So, yeah, it's really helping change lives around the world, not just in the UK.
0: It sounds like it. And which brands are using what three
1: words? Um, So we're integrated into a lot of uh, car companies. Um, So they will build us into their uh, in-car sat-nav. Um, so, for example, you're able to get into um, a new Mercedes-Benz today, if you're lucky enough to have one, I'm not, <laughs> um, and say out loud, hey, Mercedes, take me to Hertz Soap Blows, and the navigation system will um, uh, will take you right there, uh, which is a much easier way than uh, trying to type in a particular address and much easier if you're heading somewhere that doesn't have an address, you know, um, a car park on a quiet country road. If you're going for a walk in a forest, for example, um, that navigation system will take you right there, which is super useful. Um, we're also integrated into um, National Postal Services. Uh, so we've recently announced um, an integration with uh, the. National Postal Service of Vietnam, also in Mongolia. So all around the world, people are able to use, what are the words, in a variety of different applications uh, to help make their lives that little bit easier.
0: It certainly sounds like it. And I'm excited to use it myself a little bit more now that I'm more aware. Um, and, and like you said, using it to actually find your exact location, because the amount of times you put your address, the way you're trying to go in the sat nav, you, you get there and it says, you know, you've reached your destination. and You think, well, there's nothing here. Where, where am I going? Whereabouts along the road is it? So this being so precise and it's a, a, three metres. Is that right, Jamie?
1: It's three metre squares. Um, Would you believe there's uh, 57 trillion three metre squares on the surface of the earth? Um, (laughs) And every single one of them has a unique three-word code uh, that's already been generated. So you can go to any square in the world um, and the three words that are there now um, have always been there since the beginning of the company and will always be the same three words in that particular square. Um, That's in English. Um, It's also in uh, 54 other languages currently. So we've mapped the entire world in that many languages and counting.
0: Yeah, well I was going to ask how many languages or how many countries you supported, but let's talk a little bit about the exciting news in in October. Uh, I know you've got some releases coming up and and quite a few, quite a lot of work all at once. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, No. uh, the languages team have been hard at work. Um, So as I said, uh, we're live in 55 languages at the moment, including English. In October, we're actually going to be launching five more languages. Um, So we'll be um, adding Bosnian, Croatian, Montenegrin, Serbian, and Kazakh to our list of languages, which um, will neatly take us up to around 60, uh, which is great. You know, um, yeah, we've been um, launching new language versions now for about nine years. Um, So. Yeah, what's that? Um, seven or eight a year, I guess. Uh, yeah, which is pretty good effort by the team for sure.
0: Absolutely, yeah, and and lots of work goes into that behind the scenes, I'm sure. So, how do you deal with translation and localization at What Three Words?
1: Well, I guess you know, um, as I said before, What Three Words is pretty unique as a localization challenge because. Most companies, when they talk about localization, what they mean is uh, they're talking about the words that they use to help people use the product. You know, they're talking about the user interface on the app. They're talking about the marketing assets. They're talking about press releases, that kind of thing. But when your product contains words itself, you know, that's a whole different challenge. So right from the early stages of the company like i said it's a company with global ambitions we want to be used by everybody everywhere but how to localize what three words address you know like i said my three-word address right here where i'm sitting is hurt soap blows but it's not always going to be possible to translate those three words into single words in every other language of the world you know so taking french as an example if one of the words in my address was snowman if you translate that into french you get bonhomme de neige which is three words itself all in one go and the other way around uh piscine in french translates to swimming pool in english which is two words um so You know there's not enough uniformity i guess across all of the languages of the world to think that you're going to be able to neatly translate what the words address into all the languages you might need to so right from the very beginning we took the um we took the decision to actually create every single one of those language versions completely independently So they're a standalone product. The three word addresses aren't translations of each other. Um, we, We make every single one independently. So we did that mainly because it's impossible to translate. But actually, it also means that when we do this one language at a time, we're really able to look at how to create the best user experience in that particular language so not only can you not translate one word in english into one word in in every single other language but languages have very different grammatical structures to each other and um this allows us to use that grammar to our advantage when we need to um to choose the very best words for that language regardless of whether we need to be able to translate it or not. So it opens us so it opens us up to being able to use uh, particular conjugations of verbs if we want to. Um, so for example, in English, you'll find all of the words sing, singing, sung, sings, um, um, in three-word addresses. Uh, but in French, you know, we might decide that actually particular verb conjugations are more user friendly or less user friendly than others so we have that flexibility i guess to create something that really hopefully to native speakers of that language feels like it was created specifically for them rather than being a translation um i you know i'm sure everybody listening who isn't an english speaker can spot something that's been translated into their language a mile off. It happens all the time.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And it is quite a unique approach that you've taken. It's it's really interesting to hear you talk about it. So I'm interested. What are your three words in French then?
1: Ah, so um, I looked this up earlier, just so I knew. Um, my English uh, my, so my English. words address is hurt, soap, blows. And if you switch the um, sight language over to French, you get gite, lavande, Aviron, um, which means uh, Gite, it's a holiday home, I guess. It doesn't have a translation in English. Um, lavender, or as in an ore that you use in a rowing boat.
0: Oh, brilliant. So like you said, they're very different to the English version. But if you were, were you know, a French speaker looking at that, your unique location, it's, uh, it's good to know. Um, yeah. And and obviously, we talked about the importance of ensuring local terms are used. I guess it's to give that unique user experience. Have you had any challenges with that?
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, loads of challenges, Jordan. Um, it's been a really interesting ten years at What Three Words. Like I said, we've worked on loads of different languages um, and you know, I've been able to understand them from a grammatical point of view, um, how the languages work, how they build a the vocabulary. But one of the most fascinating things, I think, is um, the social context in which those languages are used, and the cultural implications of particular words, and the kinds of things that would feel totally normal to an English speaker, but a uh, sort of less. Um, less okay if you're talking a, a different language one of the things we do um, with our language versions is we try to remove any words that have particular negative or offensive connotations to people who speak that language and um in lots of la- in most languages lots of words are the same you know we remove anything to do with illness or violence or criminality that kind of thing Um, But I was working with the Tamil language team a few years back. Um, Tamil is spoken on the uh, southeast end of India um, and in Sri Lanka. Um, And they said, we need to remove the word turtle from the Tamil language version. And I said, that's interesting. I don't really see anything particularly offensive about turtles, Um, tell me more. And they said, so we have a saying in Tamil, which loosely translates into English as your house will be destroyed if you let a turtle into it. And, you know, Tamil speakers take this particular um phrase really seriously and you'll find many people they won't have pictures of turtles in their house they won't have turtle figurines um you know they really believe this to be true i was like gosh i've never heard of that before and they said you know uh the origins of the saying are shrouded in history but one um um one school of thought is that when a tsunami is is coming, the turtles who live in the sea can feel this happening. And so they run inland to get away from the waves. Um, and so they run inland and they run into people's houses and then closely followed by a tsunami, which is why people associate turtles in that culture with um, uh, turtles devastating natural occurrence like a tsunami um so yeah we removed the word turtle from our tamil language version and there's countless stories like that all around the world um i couldn't possibly tell you every single one but um it's always super interesting when it happens
0: Absolutely. And we, we obviously do a lot of work in similar ways at RWS. And
1: mm. one of the
0: most interesting things that always sticks out to me is how colors are used across cultures. Oh, yeah. You know, in, in some in some cultures, you can't use specific colors. So I, I really like the uh, the story about the turtle. I, I've definitely learned something new, uh, new there for, for Tamil. Um, so thank you for sharing that little anecdote with us. I'm just wondering do you have a favorite language that this is uh, this is I'm going to call it localized in uh, just because it has got that local feel um but yeah any any favorite
1: languages ooh good question gosh i mean i think all of the languages are my favorite you know i think every single one has something unique about it you would think after 60 languages, you've seen it all and no language could possibly throw up any new thing that you haven't come across in the past. Um, But that's simply not true. Um, You know, I think, uh, grammatically speaking, uh, uh, we're working on a Slovene language version. Um, They have um, uh, singular nouns and they have plural nouns but they also have dual nouns so for instance there's um um there's apple in the singular there's a word for apples if you're talking about two apples specifically and then there's a word for apples if you're talking about three or more apples um, which i never heard of before um all those languages and and that's the first time um I think in terms of favorite languages i have a very soft spot for um marginalized or endangered languages you know that's my academic background um so i particularly enjoyed working on the welsh language version of what three words um people say why did you do welsh you know there's uh, relatively few speakers of that language but um, it's actually to do with our emergency service work in the UK. Um, it, um, if you ring 999, um, a Welsh speaker has the right to talk to a Welsh-speaking call handler. And so, you know, it's extremely it's extremely important, therefore, to be able to find a three-word address in Welsh as well as in English if that's your um, chosen language. I think particularly in an emergency services contact uh, context. You know, if you're in a stressful situation, um, if you're having to ring nine 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 and you know you're not maybe thinking straight, um, you really want to be able to speak to that call handler in in your first language, in the language that you go to in times of stress. Um so releasing a language like Welsh, I think is extremely close to my heart personally. Um,
0: yeah, totally agree. Like you said, in those situations, the last thing you want to be thinking about is, oh, how do I say this in this <laughs> language uh, when you're panicking as well? So it's it's really great that you can offer that. And I know you've been with a company for such a long time, obviously other than English. What were the first couple of languages you you, you went
1: into? Good question. Um, in the early days, we were really looking at, um, you know, the major world languages, one of the languages with the most native speakers. So um, Spanish was very early on, Portuguese, French, German. Um, then we did Arabic, um, um, a few other European languages in there. We started to broaden into, uh, we worked on Hindi and Chinese quite early on, Japanese, Korean, um, a few languages for uh, particular commercial opportunities. Um, we were asked by the National Postal Service in Mongolia quite early on in the life cycle of the company if they could integrate What3Words into their system. So Mongolian was actually the ninth language that we worked on, which was always quite interesting, you know, at conferences, talking to language professionals. And I said, you know, What3Words is available in 10 languages at that point, and they asked me to list them. And when I said Mongolian, everyone was like, what? Why have you done Mongolian already? Um, So I used to quite enjoy saying that, Um, yeah
0: it's quite impressive isn't it that they they
1: approached you as well yeah exactly um you know i think mongolia is quite a nomadic uh, country still um and i think the postal service did have a few problems uh trying to reach people particularly outside of uh the main cities and towns in mongolia so yeah
0: I've got an interesting one for you. My sister uh, lives in Australia. She's expecting twins. And we recently sent a parcel out. um, And it, it was with one of the bigger companies. I won't mention who they are. Uh, and do you know what? It didn't make it uh, to to their address. Um, obviously, in Australia, the, the houses are much bigger than what we're used to in the UK. They've got a lot of land, but it is on a main road. So, however, they didn't find them. I don't know. But next time, I am going to use what three words to make sure that parcel gets there rather than having to go to the post office to pick it up.
1: <laughs> you know, I always think it's so surprising. You know, I talk about Mongolia and uh, favela in Rio. Um, But it's surprising, in particular pockets of countries like Australia and the United Kingdom, how bad an address can actually be. Um, You know, my uncle lives on a valley in Wales. Um, And if you type his address um, into one of the major maps online, um, it'll actually take you to the opposite side of the valley. And very often he'll get a call from a delivery driver to say, where are you? And it turns out that he actually has to drive all the way around the valley to get to the right place. Um, So, yeah, yeah, it happens all the time.
0: Yeah. And that's probably why Welsh is uh, quite close to your heart as well, then. Absolutely. (laughs) 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 <laughs> well, you mentioned earlier um, that you obviously have some words that you don't use in, in in particular languages. What about swear words?
1: Oh, yes. So we try to get rid of all of those as well. Um, one of the features of the project that we run to launch a new language, I guess, you know, the main thing is that we recruit a team of native speakers of that language to help us to understand it and to help us choose which words to use and which words to not use um, so we'll train them up in what what the words is how it works of our, our vision in terms of you know we try to remove particular kinds of words we try to remove swear words and negative or offensive words and then they help us look through big uh, vocabulary lists um, and mark words that are culturally sensitive for whatever reason in that language community um, so it's those guys that help us with those questions like how do you remove swear words
0: that's fantastic um, yeah we, we we tend to see little um, stories come up when we're doing localizing and and certainly with seo uh, and, and keyword research you know it's it's surprising when you get that list of uh, of words that you shouldn't be using but obviously you have to try and, and work around that somehow so it's interesting to hear that you're doing that as well
1: yeah absolutely i think you know it's a small corner of the languages in, of the languages industry but i think you know those bits of text that nobody is ever going to see but is used for some other reason. I think it's so interesting what kinds of words are in there and what kinds of words aren't. And with a um, with SEO text, you know, nobody's ever going to see that. So you have slightly freer reign than potentially you would um, if you were writing them directly onto the website. So it's really interesting you say that about words in that context. Um, Similarly, I'm always absolutely fascinated by um, however uh, games like Wordle um, choose their words per day. Um, and, you know, if there was ever a word on Wordle that was uh, to cause events, I think that would be quite an interesting situation, but I'm sure they put as much care and attention into their word list as what the word starts, but
0: yeah. I'm sure they do. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks for talking about the the band words, Jamie. And I wonder if you've got any other anecdotes or stories you can share just as we start to wrap up.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think one of the things I haven't mentioned about words that we try to remove from our product um, are homophones. Um, so these are words that sound the same as each other, but aren't spelled the same. Uh, so, for example... There's lots of examples in English. Um, if I told you to come and meet me at uh, find great made, all of those words, when I say them out loud, there's actually two ways to spell each one of them. And because what three words hasn't got any sort of context, you have absolutely no idea which find I mean. Um, and because of what three words, the whole point of it is that it's simple and quick and straightforward to share, you don't want to have to say, oh, but you mean find as in to look for something or find as in um, a parking fine." Um, so we try to remove homophones from our word list as well. Um, which actually um, can remove some really lovely words. Uh, so going back to Welsh, um, my favourite Welsh word in the world is "putch." Um, which sort of means cosy and comfortable. It's like a really lovely Welsh word that hasn't really got a translation into English. Um, but unfortunately, there's a bit of a debate raging in Wales at the moment about exactly how to spell the word quitch, um, which is a real shame. Uh, so it meant that, unfortunately, you won't find it in Welsh 3 word addresses. Um, but I encourage you to use it all the same. Uh, so, whenever you want to talk about anything being cozy or lovely, uh, say it's good.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I'll be using that moving forwards. And it, it makes me think of Christmas when you talk about that. And obviously, we're heading into that season now. So, uh, we that's brilliant.
1: I guess it's a little bit related to the Danish word, hygge.
0: Oh, I didn't know that one either.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. It means sort of, I think it's got sort of very specific connotations of like, you know, you're in um, a Scandinavian winter and you have to cuddle up under a big bube and light a candle and read a good book. That's who goes.
0: Absolutely. No, we'll uh, we'll be doing more of that then moving forwards. Well, thanks, Jamie, for joining us. Um, and thanks to all of our listeners as well. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, and please join me next month where I'll be discussing the challenges around building a localization programme when it's not your day job. Thanks everybody. Thanks Jamie. Bye.
1: Cheers, Rodin.